So I saw a, uh, I saw a movie with my son um, in the midst of speaking about peace. My son, and, and, uh, my son came home surprised this Friday night. And we kind of have this thing about going out to late night movies. And then Jericho joined us as well. And now she's into going out to the late night movies. And, and Gentry was tired. Um, so she stayed home with mom. Um, but we saw Mel Gibson's movie Hacksaw Ridge. And, you know, if I ever reference a movie, I don't put my approval or disapproval on it. But if I'm referencing a movie, the chances are pretty good that, that I felt like it was safe. To mention, it is incredible. If you saw The Passion of Christ, just know Mel Gibson commits. All right? He just commits. Um, but there are some incredible stories. And this is a true story. There are some incredible things that were given out in the midst of, of this uh, storyline that's real, that's true. And it was the point of the movie. It was the tip of the spear that Gibson, the writer, wants you to get out of the entire story of Corporal Dawes. And it rings so true to the illustration I found earlier in the week. And it rings so true to how we're going to focus on this point of peace today. And, and without giving anything away in the movie, because of the protagonist's views of God, he was mocked and beaten and disrespected greatly. And yet because of his actions, because of his ability to show peace, before these men go back into battle, the very captain that mocked and sought to destroy this corporal came to him and asked for forgiveness One. Two, admitted that he had misjudged the individual. And three, he spoke to the fact that the men saw something different in him. And that they want that before they go back into battle. Today, we need to be those individuals. This is the point of peace. Peace moves people. To ask why. What is it? That's how important this is. I'm going to read you a story. How many of you are familiar with the, um, the Christmas carol of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day? Some of you may have seen this circulating around this past week on social media, but I thought I would read this to you. In March of 1863, 18-year-old Charles Appleton Longfellow walked out of his family's house on Brattle Street in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and, unbeknownst to his family, boarded a train bound for Washington, D.C., traveling over 400 miles across the eastern seaboard in order to join President Lincoln's army. So he enlisted without telling Mom. Oh, no more peace. Charles was the oldest of six children, born to Fanny Elizabeth Appleton and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Yes, the same, celebrated literary critic and poet. And he had a bunch of younger brothers and sisters. Less than two years earlier, Charles' mother, Fanny, had tragically died after her dress caught on fire. Her husband, awoken from a nap, 
tried to extinguish the flames as best he could, first with a rug and then his own body, but she had already suffered severe burns. She died the next morning, July 10th, and Henry Longfellow's facial burns were severe enough that he was unable even to attend his own wife's funeral. He would grow a beard to hide his burned face, and at times feared that he would be sent to an asylum on the account of his grief. When Charlie, as he was called, arrived in D.C., he sought to enlist as a private in the 1st Massachusetts Artillery Regiment. He became a soldier, and his father granted him permission. Back then, when you would enlist like this, you would have to have the permission of the parents. The government understood what was going on, and and the groundswell of emotion by a young man wanting to serve his country And so his father approved, after participating on the fringe of the Battle of Chancellorville in Virginia, Charlie fell ill with typhoid fever and was sent home to recover. Then he rejoined on August 15th, having missed the Battle of Gettysburg. Wouldn't you think God's hand of providence was upon your child? Wouldn't that bring you peace? He was carried into... I'm sorry... um, I I, I skipped a part. While uh, dining at home on December 1st, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow received a telegram that his son had been severely wounded four days earlier. On November 27th, 1863, while involved in a skirmish during a battle of the Mine Run campaign, Charlie was shot through the left shoulder with the bullet exiting under his right shoulder blade. It had traveled across his back and skimmed his spine. Charlie avoided being paralyzed by less than an inch. He was carried into New Hope Church and then transported to the Rapidan River. Charlie's father and younger brother Ernest immediately set out for Washington, D.C. Charlie arrived by train on December 5th and Henry Longfellow was alarmed when informed by the army surgeon that his son's wound was very serious and that paralysis might ensue. Three surgeons gave a more favorable report that evening suggesting a recovery that, <clears throat> that would require him to be long in healing at least six months. On Christmas Day, 1863, Longfellow, 57-year-old widowed father of six children, the oldest of which had been nearly paralyzed as his country fought a war against itself. You get the picture. Wrote a poem seeking to capture the dynamic and dissonance in his own heart and the world he observed around him. He heard the Christmas bells that December day and the singing of peace on earth from Luke 2.14. But he observed the world of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truthfulness of this optimistic outlook. The theme of listening recurred throughout the poem, eventually leading to a settledness of confident hope even in the midst of bleak despair. Here are the words to the poem. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. Of wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth and goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, 
singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth and goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then, ple- then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth He sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth and goodwill to men. That took some time to tell that story, but I felt that it was, it was worth our time. I struggle with just preaching soliloquies and great statements of thought. Many preachers do that and say the Word of God will simply speak. I do believe that. But I know that if I were sitting where you were sitting, I would have the reaction to those Christmas bells just like Longfellow did. And he would say it's mocking The world is mocking the veracity of those words by the angels to the shepherds. Where is the peace? Where is the peace? God, You know how I've suffered. Where is the peace? And even on Christmas Day, I can hear the cannon roar from the south. Where is the peace? And this morning, for myself to stand before you and to just simply say, peace on earth, goodwill to men, it plays real well. That stuff preaches. But I know that it leaves you sitting here saying, then why am I not at peace? Why do I struggle? But did you hear the end of his song? God is not dead. Truth prevails, and peace on earth, and goodwill to men. You see, my my brothers and sisters, the reality is maybe someone sold us a false bill of goods that because peace is proclaimed, because Jesus came as the Prince of Peace, that we would simply have peace on earth. We'll talk about that in a moment. This was not the message of the angels. There's a deeper understanding of those words. And let's unpack that this morning. You can unpack that with the help of this Christmas-colored set of sermon notes. And we'll work through this this morning. Let's go to the first slide as it represents Scripture today. And we're going to go right back to the passage that we've already read out of Luke. You can join me there. And we're going to be in verse 8-14 through again. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great what? Fear. And the angel said to them, 
fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Now that's a little bit different than what Longfellow penned. You see, Longfellow said peace on earth. The angels never promised peace on earth. They said, to you on earth, peace is coming to you for those with whom He is pleased. So we need to unpack that this morning a little bit. Let's talk about the promise of peace that was found in a Bethlehem field. Let's go to the next slide here and we'll start filling in the blanks This is the idea of peace for mankind. It's what was promised in verse 14. I'm going to give you four examples. Number one, general peace. General peace. True peace will never exist between the nations due to what? Due to sin. Due to sin. And it's it's this next point. It will never exist between the nations because of sin. So we can talk about peace, and yet they'll keep making war movies that are true. And I believe that it's been said that, at least in my lifetime, never in recorded history has there been more war than is currently going on around the world. And you're like, welcome to my neighborhood, right? We're just talking about wars between nations. Now, is there peace between some nations? Absolutely. But folks, there's, there's always conflict. Because we live in a broken world. Because men have sin that they struggle with. And the more that we deny that sin, the more that there will be conflict because we're not dealing with it, we're not facing it. And because of that, we scratch our heads and we say, why can we not have peace? My son and I were talking about this while driving yesterday. That you will never have peace You know, you see the coexist stickers. And we traveled to Birmingham together, I think three, four years ago, with some of the men in this church. And we sat with those who hold deeply to the Muslim faith. And we knew that they knew that we were not going to equivocate from our faith. And we knew that they knew that we knew they weren't going to equivocate from their faith. And so we all operated at this paltry, shallow peace. Now, was there an appreciation for each other? There was. But why will there always eventually that peace be shattered? Because there's a conflict between the two base understandings and convictions. And when there's a conflict between convictions as your rudimentary belief system, those will always remain in conflict. That's why unity within the church is so desperately important. That's why Paul is saying, agree to these two ladies, Eodia and Syntyche. Agree. And then you will have peace. 
So general peace, this is not what the angels were speaking of. They were speaking of personal peace. Of personal peace. True peace is best felt personally. You see, it's the individual like private or corporal, I can't remember if it was a private or corporal, um, Dawes in this movie. You see, in the midst of the storm, or just like as I prayed earlier, Christ in the back of the boat on the Sea of Galilee where seasoned fishermen were screaming out for their lives. And what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. How many of us can't even make it through the night and is completely silent in our homes? Right? And Jesus is sleeping. Do you ever get jealous of those people that can sleep through anything? Right? How can you be so peaceful? Because this is what Christ brings to us. This is what Christ has demonstrated. And this is what private or corporal Dawes demonstrated in the midst of one of the bloodiest, worst battles in the history of the United States. And it spoke to his entire regiment or entire platoon. I'm not good with all those military things. So you military guys are like, boy, he's butchering this. Yeah, okay. Talk to me afterwards. We're not in peace anymore. (laughs) It commanded the respect of the men around him that mocked him earlier. You see, personal peace can exist amidst the storms. And you and I have the ability to hold that peace in our hearts. You and I cannot control the person sitting next to us. You and I cannot control our circumstances. You and I cannot control the nations. But we certainly can have personal peace. Amen? True peace is best felt personally. This is what the angels were speaking to. Let's look at the spiritual implications of this. True peace happens from the power of the Spirit. It doesn't happen because last night as I'm trying to set up Christmas lights and I keep finding out I don't have something. I don't have the extension cord that I had last year. Where has it gone? And I've spent four hours looking at bulbs and testing bulbs and I've got things laid out in the middle of the lawn and it's cold and it was raining and nobody else is, is cares. Nobody else in the world cares about this. And I'm looking for this and I find a, a, I got an extension cord I went and I bought but it was like $11 and that's a lot of money so I'm looking for other... And I remember, I know where one is and I'm I'm having this personal conversation with myself. Just be calm. You're preaching on peace tomorrow. Don't give it up. You're preaching on peace tomorrow. And so I go back to the backyard and there in the backyard is this extension cord we used last year. I've located it. Hallelujah. Right? No! Because stacked upon that extension cord is 400 pounds of wood that we bought two weeks ago that my daughter stacked there and it's wood that doesn't burn. And that's worse. So now I've got wood that doesn't burn that's been stacked by my daughter who now needs a chiropractor covering an entire extension cord that I need to put on lights so I can have peace. There is no peace. And I walk into the house and I'm, I'm just disgusted with myself. 
And my good friend Mike Camilleri is there visiting with my son. And I walk in the door and I'm like, no extension cords. What am I doing? What's the point of this? And in the back of my head, I'm like, this is a person that's in our college group and I'm, I'm his pastor. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm so angry right now. There's no peace on earth. And I've got to find inner peace. And later on, I went back and I apologized. And my daughter said, Dad, it's called Xanax. Use it. No, it's called the Holy Spirit. And so after I thought about how stupid this whole thing was, I located one other extension cord that just happened to be somewhere. I plugged it in, and I successfully got half our Christmas lights working. And then I went around, oh no, wait for your applause until the project's done. And I get through it with some semblance of peace. I told you there would be confessional. Folks, it is so, there are so many superfluous things we put into our life. I, t- I make sure I take my blood pressure medication before Sunday mornings. Especially Sunday mornings where I'm leading worship. And the worship band was looking at me this morning. And Satan really knows how to get on me. Right? I told you, be careful what you preach. Last night in the middle of the night, somehow, I don't know if I was still in my dreams putting up Christmas lights. I don't know what I was doing. But I knocked my phone off its stand and it's my alarm clock. And I wake up at 8.12. I'm supposed to be here at 8 o'clock. The worship band's here at 8.15. And so do you think my peace factor was peaked? It wasn't peaked. And I'm like, okay, Jesus. I get it. I don't need any more testing. I get it. Peace. I'm here. Your spirit's here. But I gotta get over there quick, and I'm late. And I, you know, and I'm walking. And we do this, right? Here's the worst for me. For whatever reason, growing up, I don't know what it was, but you know, for all of us, right? We have these intrinsic issues. Failure is bad for me. Any failure is bad. It's just an extension cord. The Laszlo agreements are not going to fall apart because I don't get all my lights lit. But you would have thought it was... I don't even know what the Laszlo agreement or cord is. I I made it up. (coughs) Don't go looking up because then you'll stress me out when you come to me and you say there is no Laszlo accord. Folks, Why do I spend so much time talking about that? Because that's the reality of life for all of us. Whether it's your Christmas tree lights, whether it's your finances, whether it's your marriages, whether it's your kids, whether it's work, whether it's traffic, whatever it is, it is the small stuff that steals our peace away. Fight it. And there is only one way to do it, and that's where we're heading in the message. You and I have to remember who we belong to, who has died and suffered for us, who was given as a gift for us that we might have eternal life, that we might have that peace in heaven, but that we can experience it here through the Spirit. Peace is spiritual if it has any power.
The other part that we talked about is being effectual. I do not stand up here with any pretense assuming that just because I quote to you some, some angels in a Bethlehem field, and because it's coming from the Bible, that that's really going to resound in your heart and change your life. But if I share with you about Christ in the back of a boat, if I share with you about personal victories through the Spirit to experience peace where life seeks to destroy us, then we start to place our confidence in it. Why? Because it is effectual. It works. It works. By the way, that's another thing, that when you get something, you know, you get some batteries for something and you plug it in and it doesn't work, I lost all peace on that one this week too. Right? When something is not working the way it's supposed to work, that drives me nuts. Anybody out there like that? Yes. My advice to you, kick it really hard and then just walk away. All right? It'll make you feel, no, it'll hurt your foot. Don't kick anything. Violence is not the answer. You know the answer, and it's the, the point right before this, and that's to start praying and remember who you belong to and remember what was given for you And remember, you are not in a world of what? You are not in a world of peace. God never promised that this world would be a world of peace. So that takes us to where we're going next. By the way, let's go to the next slide here. There was angelic advice in verse 10. And I want you to see this because here's the pragmatic part. Here's the effectual part that you want to write down. Number one, they said, fear not. What is it that steals your peace? When I'm out there and I'm trying to put up all these Christmas lights, I, I come in, I go in on this rant about, I hate wasting time. How many of you hate wasting time? I hate wasting time. I spent all this time out there freezing and I wasted it because it can't get done. And then I thought to myself, why are you getting so upset about this? Just relax. It's Christmas season. Take it in. Why? Because believe it or not, There's a part of me that any time that failure starts to happen, which is not completing that job, I'm in fear of people's criticism. Now, I'm not that in fear of criticism about Christmas lights. You understand what I'm doing here, right? This is a red herring to help you connect for yourself. You see, anger, which replaces and and supplants our peace often comes from what? Fear. What was the instant message of the angels? Fear not. Fear not. Now that was very complicated because usually when an angel showed up, something very dramatic was going to happen. A lot of times it wasn't really good news. So, you know, the, the Israel nation had this history. And if you're experiencing, um, there's an angel right there, what'd you do? You know, is it on you? Is it on me? What, what's going on? And, and do we have to be messengers of of, uh, you know, ugliness. No. They said, fear not, I bring you what? Good news. Fear not. Don't fear God. He has only your best interest in mind. Do not fear man. For what can man do to you? Fear the one who has control over your soul. That doesn't mean to live in in shrinking fear and and an unapproachable understanding. It is take serious. He who has the destiny of your soul in mind. Fear is a huge challenge and it's often what steals our peace. 
Take the message of the angels. Because Christ came, we need not fear. Amen? Because Christ came, we need not fear. Number two, they brought good news. How many of you love good news? How many of you really don't like the guy that says, I got good news and I got bad news? Right? How many of you are bad news first people? Raise your hand if, you, if you're like, yeah, give me the bad news first. Okay, that shows who in this room is an optimist. Okay? And I'll just let you figure out the details of it. But we love good news. How many of you received good news this week? Good. Excellent. All of you should be raising your hands because we read the message of Christ and Christ's coming. Right? So that's the good news the angels were talking about. little trick question there. The good news is that God saw our problem. He saw the conflict on earth. And what did He say? I'm going to fix it. I'm going to give an answer. Now, as I give my son, you will still have conflict. You will still have problems because I'm not done yet. God is going to create a way through His Son for you to have inner peace, but that doesn't mean the world around you will not have conflict. But that's the good news. Is that in the midst of the conflict, we can have peace. Amen? And then they say tidings of good joy. You want to know how to combat conflict. It's exactly what the angels say here. It is exactly what Paul said. And he says rejoice. Rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord and he's not done because he knows how pessimistic we are and how much we want to hold on to those things that seek to steal our peace. We want to hold on to the fear. We want to hold on to the anxiety. And so he says, again, I say rejoice. And then he says, be anxious for nothing. I think Paul's on to something here. What is it about your work? What is it about your life? What is it about your... Don't meet it with anxiety. Don't let peace be stolen. Meet it with Christ. And meet it with good news. Focus on the things that are good in your life. Rejoice over those things. There was good news and great joy coming for mankind. And that would bring peace. I want to take you to another picture of peace. You see, when we celebrate Advent, we celebrate the coming of Christ. There's going to be a second coming. And so before I get to this, I want to emphasize, remember those three points this morning. If you're challenged in your peace, know that Christ is the Prince of Peace. But know that He also said that I did not come to give you peace, but I came to divide nations, households, on and on and on. Now when he says, I didn't come to give you peace, he didn't mean in the sense of personal peace. He meant the sense of peace around us. That was not his task to heal the nations in our time here now. The reality is, is that we have the answer to have peace and to have the power of Christ in the midst of the storm, which he demonstrated personally, didn't he? That is what we follow. That is why He is called the Prince of Peace. You see, peace and conflict have this symbiotic relationship, don't they? It's like we talked about last week with hope and limitation. You cannot have peace unless you know what? Conflict. You see, peace is the absence of conflict. 
And there is a day where that is coming. It's coming soon. It is the second coming of Christ. The second advent of Christ. And here is why I choose to remind us of this. And you can turn to Revelation 21. We're going to be in verses 1 through 4 to finish up. Here is why I bring this up. Because in moments where I'm trying to rejoice that I've been slain with some serious news, some serious conflict, not Christmas lights, okay? You know that's a red herring. Sometimes I struggle to find peace. And sometimes I have to get to just this thought. I know that Christ came. I know that He has granted me peace that passes all understanding. I know those things, and I start there. I start with the spiritual. I start with the promises. But sometimes, I still hang on, and that's because of fear. I still hang on. There's still a battle. And for me, I I don't know that this is necessarily what would work for you, but for me, this is what extinguishes that fear every time. I used to run from the law. No, I used to run. (laughs) The things that go on in here while I'm preaching, it's just scary if you could hear what I hear. That's a Christmas carol, by the way. (laughs) I used to run in track meets, city track meets. And I wasn't very good because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was like, hey, these guys are running, just do what they do. Well, if you're going to do what they do, you have to follow them. That doesn't make a recipe for winning right? Uh, It also doesn't make a recipe for winning when everybody else has shorts and they're running in shorts and you're running in your tough skins. And you're thinking, what is this guy making a political statement? What's going on? No, just nobody coached me that you should wear shorts when you run in a track meet. So, you know, I had that going for me. That that didn't bring a lot of peace. And, uh, but here was the thing. I got in the middle of the mile. Um, I really pretty much just ran for the bus, which was just around the corner That's the only running I did, and maybe on the playground uh, when I was in third grade. But my dad entered me in the mile. Thanks, Dad. And I just kept following the runners, because that's what I was told. Just follow those guys, and when they're done, you're done. Pretty soon I couldn't see the runners anymore. And I'm thinking, when do I get to stop running? This is exhausting. Are you kidding me? I'm never doing this again. And this was back before your parents took you to like 7-Eleven for a Slurpee afterwards. There was no Slurpee. There was nothing. There was just go home and do your chores. You guys remember those days? Yeah, that's right. What, why am I saying this to you? You're the wrong generation. You get that. They're over there. I never longed for that finish line more than when I ran the mile. And I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And as I was walking on lap one, no, as I was walking on lap four, and my dad's standing in the stands just going like this, and I'm like, I don't know what I was doing. All I wanted to do was see that finish line. It was going to bring me peace. Can I read to you what the finish line sounds like? Revelation 21, 1-4. through If you struggle still with the fear, if you can't hold on to the good news long enough, if you really wrestle with the, the 
finding the joy. Can I tell you, look at the finish line. Here's the finish line. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. The picture of peace is a heavenly home, brothers and sisters. Number one, we are no longer broken. Amen? We are no longer broken. We will be unified with God and each other. Number two, God will once again dwell with man. How magnificent will that be? No more separation from God. No more doubting, but living in the presence of His glory. Having that experience that John has at the first part of Revelation in a continual process for eternity. God will dwell with man once again. No more separation. Now are we talking peace? Thirdly, sorrow and pain will cease. Some of us desperately cry out and say, why can't that be now? Number one, understand the guarantee that at the second advent, it's coming. This is your reward. Be faithful. Now, secondly, all the things the angel said are true. All the promises, if you fear not, if you hold to good news, and if you act with great joy. Here's the beauty. How hard is it to have peace where everything is perfect? By the way, by my definition, that's not peace. You have to have conflict to have peace. I don't know what it will be called there. <laughs> but on this side of it, we can call it peace. Because we're still separated from God in a certain sense physically. So there's conflict. But even more so, even more so, you and I can have the peace of Christ here. Here, in the midst of the storm, picture Mary at peace when a king is trying to kill her son. In the midst of your storm, whatever it is, however bad it is, think of Longfellow. And think about the journey of that poem. And how he acknowledges, where is peace? Where is peace? Because for me, my life, my circumstances are in ruin. And then he thought about the good news. And he thought about his Savior. And he started thinking about what God had done. 
and what God had provided. And then he became a realist. That the world around him will always be in conflict until that second coming. And then he reflected on the times where he could have peace. Personal peace in the midst of the storm. And when he finished his poem, he said, God is not what? Dead. What a thought on Christmas Day where we celebrate the birth of God coming to men. Peace on earth. Let me close in prayer today. And as I do so, if you've brought your gifts today, your offerings, thank you so much in, uh, in that act of worship. And um, we'll be praying over the offering as well. The, the box is right there as you exit today. Um, and uh, also, if you want to just remember uh, part of that process is we're setting up our budget right now. Um, we're trying to be a little bit more calculated with, with not just saying, hey, this is what we did last year, and let's just add 10% onto it this year. So uh, this is our last Sunday of trying to calculate that anonymous information. Um, so if you could respond, if you want to respond, if you've prayerfully thought about it, this is our last chance to um, think through that. So let me, uh, let me close us in prayer today. Thank you for coming and worshiping I pray that you've experienced the peace of God today and that it goes with you throughout this season and that you're able to sleep in the back of a boat and you're able to find your extension cords. All right, let me close in prayer. Father, to you be the glory for all the great things that you have done. Let the message of Christmas resound within us mightily so that in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a trial, in the midst of sorrow, just like Longfellow, We can say God is not dead. And peace on earth and goodwill to men. Let us be people who are hallmarked by peace. Let us not fear. Let us take great joy. And let us hold to the good news of the Gospel. To You be the glory, Father. Amen.